Welcome to the Chew Brewer Stew Podcast. Every other Sunday, we'll release an episode of the podcast featuring an interview with a business owner in the food industry. From restaurants, to breweries, to bakeries, and everything in between. We ask them about their journey and the process of becoming a successful business owner in hopes of helping others to do the same. I'm Mike Curtin, and the podcast starts now. Welcome to the Chew Brewer Stew Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curtin, and if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so so you never miss another episode of the podcast. Considering this is my first episode, and thank you for listening, I'd just like to do a little background on why I started this podcast. Uh, way back in 2015, I started home brewing, and way before that, I fell in love with craft brewing. Before that, my first job was in a restaurant. And also, I used to DJ inside bars and restaurants, so at some point I thought to myself, I'd love to have my own bar or restaurant. I was never a great student. I've always been a way better learner by doing things hands-on. So I figured, why not start a podcast where I sit down with business owners in the food industry, get inside their heads, and learn the business from them. Learn their mistakes, learn what makes them successful, in hopes of not only helping myself, but others who are trying to do the same. A couple of months back, I had the honor of sitting down with Jesse Ferguson from Interborough Spirits and Ales in Brooklyn, New York. He gave me a breakdown of how he went from the music industry, which was slowing down, and how he got into home brewing. And finally, he decided to start his own brewery. So here's the podcast. If I sound a little nervous, I'm sure I was, being that it was my first interview. I hope you enjoy it. We're here at Interborough Spirit and Ales with Jesse Ferguson. Jesse. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Thanks for being with us. Happy to host you. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got into the business of brewing. So I got into brewing initially as a home brewer through uh, my I family. I had my, uh, my sister and my brother-in-law both uh, ended up in California after meeting here in Brooklyn, uh, working in Sonoma Valley at, um, in wineries. Um, and it, after a couple years in wine, my brother-in-law sort of lost his patience with the, the wine scene right. and, and really got into beer and then ended up uh, studying beer um, at UC Davis, which is a, a well-renowned, uh, high-regarded um, brewing school. Um, and sort of at that time, I was in my like early 20s and was just sort of I would go visit them and we would do like start out we would do like blind tastings on wine and then we'd do right. blind tastings on beer and they were like in you know northern california so there was just great beer everywhere yes and sure. um he started home brewing and i was sort of there sort of hanging out um and then they ended up uh moving to colorado and then moving to I'm, i grew up in colorado so okay. um i grew up drinking as well yeah i grew up drinking like uh you know my story is like when we would send my 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 buddy's older brother into the liquor store when we were like 13 to get us like OE or or Mickey's he'd come back out with like bombers of fat tire and be like drink this it's better yes. you yeah. know so that was I grew up with craft beer my dad's favorite beer was Odell 90 shilling um, and uh, so my brother-in-law and my sister end up in Georgia uh, at working out of a brewery called Terrapin okay. and um, by then at some point like another good friend of mine and I had met the guys from Six Point and discovered that we could like buy kegs from them. And we learned what a jockey box was, um, which we like went to this hardware store on Long Island called Carps, 
because back then New York didn't have any homebrew stores. Uh, this is like 2006, I guess, or 2005. This is before my son was born, so my son was born in 2009. I was married, so I was 2005, so it's somewhere right in the middle there. <laughs> and uh, we went to Carps to buy the equipment to build our own jockey box so we could buy kegs off Six Point and drink beer at home, draft beer at home, awesome. because there was no Six Point in package at that point. Right, it was right. really way before Six Point was available in, in cans. And we were at Carps, and the dude is like, we're like looking at it, he's got this whole like ingredients. And we're like, wait, you can make beer at home? And he's like, yeah, you can make your own beer. And blah, blah. So like I went back a week later, because it was my buddy Chris's birthday, and bought him like a homebrew kit. And that was in like June of whatever year it was. And by like the end of that summer, we brewed like six batches of beer, and we just like totally got the bug. Um, and so I homebrewed for a bunch. And yeah, that's how I got it. I mean, you know. Like I said, started out drinking craft beer, and then by like at that point, sometime after two, between 2005 and 2007 or eight or whatever, was homebrewing my ass off. That's pretty awesome, man. That's great. I mean, I know because I did a little homebrewing, and it's definitely a bug for sure. Yeah. Once you once you start doing it, it's like it just catches it catches yeah. fire. It was like uh, you want to do it every single day. It was like barbecuing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, it, was like, exactly. it was like, you know, it was like, oh, I got this dry rub, and, and, and you could only do it, you know, you need a whole day to do it. Like, right. uh, my buddy's dad, we used to do it inside on, like, stovetops, right? right? And then my but my buddy grew up out in Midwood, and had a, his dad had a backyard, so, like, that summer, like, we had planned, like, three brew days where we were going to, like, set up in his backyard, right. and, and, like, actually, we, like, got a keg from the guys at Six Point, cut the top off of it with a grinder, like, made a kettle out of it, and... Um, I mean, yeah, you know, you just like set up and start brewing beer, and you're drinking beer, and you got a barbecue going, and you know, it's just fun. So, so what was like the uh, morale of your friends and family when you were about to start this? Well, so this business, well, because I started another brewery before this business uh, okay. called Carton Brewing in New Jersey, and that was the one that really got me into brewing professionally. Um, so, like, I was home brewing, like I said. Um, I used to work in the music industry. Okay. Uh, so I was working at a record label, um, and it was like 2007, 2008, and, and you know, record sales were just tanking. Like nobody, you couldn't sell a CD for as a coaster. Um, so we were, um, and I eventually, by my son was born in 2009, and by like 2000, I guess it was still 2009 because my son was like nine months old or six months old, and uh, the record company I worked for went out of business. Um, so I. Uh, I said to my brother and my sister, I'm like, I want to be a brewer. And they were like, get in line. Everybody wants to be a brewer. Right. Um, and uh, do now. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, and because by then I was home brewing like crazy. And uh, a buddy of mine, a really good friend of mine, Amit, got me a job at another record label. Uh, and I spent a year working at a second record label. I worked at the other one for like 10 years. I was helped started and, and was like really dedicated and super passionate about it. Going to work for somebody else's record label was kind of like... Right. I just didn't have the passion for it. Um, and then meanwhile, my, my, what, my buddy Augie, Augie Carton, and his cousin Chris were like, we're going we're gonna to open a brewery, and we want you to, in New Jersey, and, we, and uh, we want you to be the brewer. And I was like, yeah, right. Um, i got to feed my wife and kids. I mean, my wife can feed us too. But, right. um, and, uh, and they were serious. And over like that year, we sort of, I was homebrewing cra like crazy and doing formulated a bunch of recipes, and they found a place in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey, where we could build the brewery, and they funded it themselves and bought all the equipment. And uh, by 2010, um, 
I was, uh, you know, helping sort of, sort of oversee the build out and uh, and there and by and by 2011 we were selling beer, um, and I did that for like four years um, until 2015, um, and I just couldn't drive to Jersey. I lived in Brooklyn the whole time. I okay. couldn't, I couldn't yeah. drive to Jersey, uh, and so at that point in my life, my family was, I mean, super supportive. Um, they, uh, like I was. Basic. I mean, I was unemployed, but I had been unemployed for a minute, and, right. and my and um, you know my whole family was very supportive. Uh, I think, and in those first you know two, three, four years of, of opening a small business, I was working nonstop. Like leaving for the brewery, um, I drove every day, and I would leave for the brewery at um, you know four thirty or five in the morning, so I could try and beat traffic getting out over the Verrazano or, or through one of the tunnels, and then. If I was lucky, I could leave the brewery at four and get home to pick my kid up from um, preschool by 5.30, but then usually one, two, or three nights a week, we'd have some sort of event where we were going to promote the, the brewery, or we'd stay, or, or things would like go wrong, and I'd be there for, you know, there were nights where, I, like I had, at, at Carton, I had, there was a couch upstairs, I, I had, there was a, I had a sleeping bag and a pillow in two different right. drawers, and like, I'd sleep there. I would say multiple times a month where I would call my wife and be like, I'm just going to crash here because I got to be back in five hours anyway. So like, what's the point of me driving, you know, driving back? So was that like, one of you say like your toughest situations you'd have to deal with as far as? Spending the night there? No, I'm saying as far as the uh, opening a business, like opening your brewery. Yeah, I mean, just the amount of time that goes into it, right? I mean, it's, it's just so, um, I mean, especially beer, um, you can't, I mean, once you've started the day, you can't just fucking stop. You know what I mean? Like right. you can't. Um, there are certain components. There's certain parts of this job where you can be like, all right, well, I'm just gonna doing the taxes. Well, I've been here for 12 hours. I'm just gonna stop, and I'll come back and pick up where I left it off in the morning. But when you're making the beer, it's like if, if something went wrong, or you didn't plan your day right, or the day you just had too much work to get done in one day, you can't. There's not a lot of places where you can just stop and then pick up in the morning. You know, right. the product has to be taken through so through the full process. So, yeah, the time commitment is, is, is a lot. Um, and, I mean, and, you know, emotionally, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot because you're so committed to the success that, you know, when things go wrong, it, you know. Got the it, blinders it, on. Yeah, it's exactly. tough, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's really sure. hard. Uh, so, like, how did you go about finding capital to fund everything um, for for you for Interboro so Interboro so the story the story of Interboro is that I was at um, I was at Carton and, and just kind of like I said got tired of driving to Jersey every day quit going to Jersey every day um, went and, and started working at uh, other half um, okay. for a year while like um, and at this point, I had met my, my so my current business partner is Laura, who right. you got you emailed with. So she and I met. She wanted to open a distillery, um, and I wanted to. I mean, I was thinking about opening my own brewery, and so we spent a, a good amount of time sort of talking and figuring out what we could do. She had a, she had a decent amount of capital that she could to to, to get this to get Inver off the ground, and then we went and found um, investors and. You know, based on, um, you know, sort of based on our plan and, and what uh, our track record, people were willing to give us a little bit of cash. But, you know, it's not easy. The, the way we really 
I mean, the funny story is like we had a bunch of people who were interested, right? But without a, you know, and, but they were no, nobody really was like looking to like pull the trigger, um, and we and we found a space, and we found a space through. Um, I was working at other half at the time, and one of the owners of other half, Andrew, um, was still uh, delivering beer at the time on the truck, and he called me up when I was at the brewery and said, hey, are you still looking for a space? And I, and I was, yes. Um, and he said, well, I just drove by my, my old boss's warehouse, and it's got a for rent sign on it now. Um, and we met with him, like, the next day, the landlord, and had a lease by like, the end of that day. Um, and once, and, and we committed to, to signing the lease before we actually had the cash open the brewery completely. But by signing the lease, and proving that we had the space, we got a bunch of investors to come to the table right away. Like as soon as we had, as soon as we made that commitment, and that was you know it was hard. It was a tough commitment to make, to um, to sign a lease, um, because we were kind of all in at that point, you know. But uh, um, it, it definitely worked out. We had people kind of, all these people who were sort of hesitant, sort of at that point said, "Oh yeah, all right, yeah, you guys are for real. Let's, let's do this. We'll right. start writing checks." So. Well, there's a, was there like a, a defining moment that you kind of knew like everything was just working right in your favor and it was kind of moving? I don't think you ever are able to get your heads out, your head out of the weeds enough to think everything's working right. That's one of the drawbacks. You know what I mean? Is it's, it's all so, there's always so much going on. Right. It's hard to ever feel like it's all working right. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of moments where you, you feel really good about where things are at and I think that was a moment, you know what I mean? Like that moment was a, was a really positive moment for us to feel like, yeah, this is gonna work out. Obviously getting open and selling the first, and going out and doing the first deliveries. Um, that was a, that was a great feeling and, and really felt right. And then, you know, then, and then we opened the taste. So we delivered for our first beers in August of 2016 and we opened the tasting room like right after, um, right after Labor Day. Uh, 2016 and like the reception that we had the first day we were open like just the excitement amongst the beer community and, and people we didn't know you know what I mean that was uh, yeah. that, that felt really good yeah, I feel like it's a big it's I mean it's been booming the beer industry it's just, mm -hmm. I think it's a thing now guys guys just plan or everybody groups just plan to like hey let's go to the brewery for the day and yeah I'm a thing it's pretty insane um Something you never thought you'd have to deal with? HR. <laughs> HR? Yeah. It's, yeah, you know. Like really dealing with employees on, right. and like what employees, the demands that people, and the expectations and the, and the uh, <clears throat> just tough. It's people's lives. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 Your people's lives. people's lives. You know what I mean? So like. That was the thing that, like, I even up even up to the point at where I was like running Carton. Essentially, I still wasn't making the employment decisions, um, and that really does fall to the owners. And so it's like that's that's that, that's real. You know what I mean? Like dealing with people's ups and downs, and trying to be there for people in the best way you can. It's you know, it's uh, it's not a challenge that I. It really was like, look, when I, when I thought about opening a brewery, you know what I mean? Like, right. I was laser focused on making really good beer, you know what I mean? Or making really good whiskey. Um, and, you know, it takes other people to do that. And you got to trust people and you got to hope people trust you. And, you know, and, and it's only, you're only one side of the equation. Ever, so. All about having a good team. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah.
is there a, when it comes to marketing, what is really your strategy? Do you have a whole team set up for that as well? No, I mean, we don't really have the money to have like a, a, a big marketing budget. Uh, our marketing is this room. Right. You know what I mean? Our marketing is the cans that we put out on a weekly basis. Okay. Our marketing is the, the sort of quality and integrity of the product that we put out and then hoping that gets conveyed to people. I mean, it's 2019. Social media is, is, um, is as loud as any other sort of platform you could look for. So it's just about trying to maximize that. Um, we really count on having a message that, that, that can come across as like honest and, and sincere and, uh, and then, yeah, quality product and, and, and then, you know, for, to, for the best of our ability to make people's experience when they come here you know, a sort of, uh, you know, just a, a really quality experience so that people believe they're like, yeah, I had a great time. I went to Interboro. All the beer was great. I got awesome service. It was an awesome atmosphere. And uh, you think yeah, atmosphere and ambiance is a big part of it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the quality, Obviously, of, quality the, of the product and the, and the service that people get, I think, right. are the two most important aspects. I think. The ambiance is like, you know, this room doesn't have much ambiance. I mean, it has obviously has a ton of ambiance, but like, it, you know, it, it is, I think that is what it is. Right. It just has to be something. You have to identify what it is and try and sort of play to the strong suit of it. Um, my business partner, Laura, is really the, the, the driving force behind this whole tasting room. And, and we have a kitchen and, and like a food program and all that. My, I'm like sort of the product. And then, you know, and obviously as an owner, like super concerned that every, that every time a person walks through the door, they feel comfortable, you know. But there's times like on Saturday afternoons where it's really busy and I just tell people not to come. I'm just like, whatever you, they're like, oh, when can I visit? I'm like, don't come on Saturday at four. You know what I mean? Like, come. I think I was here at Saturday Yeah, four, you know, and it's, it's like jammed out yeah. and you can't get a seat and like. I mean, and that's, that's a great, that's a great no, feeling. No, it's a great so, feeling, but yes. it's tough too because you want everybody who walks in to feel like they're totally welcome and when it's super crowded like people don't feel welcome you know what I mean they feel like it's, I mean obviously it feels good to be someplace that's crowded um, so those are like those are my concerns is like what's the customer experience when they come in and, and how well you know can they get the beer and enjoy it um, but yeah I mean I think uh, I mean you gotta I mean it's, it's restaurant business you know what I mean so like you gotta you gotta understand that people are gonna judge you on like every bit of it you know what I mean so ambiance is obviously important, but I think we, we tend to take a, our brand and our and our um, uh, you know sort of is based more around a little more like it's not so it, I mean obviously it's ultra premium products, but it's not meant to be a uh, exclusive experience, right? It's meant right. to be a sort of a, a, a encompassing experience where everybody feels welcome when they come in, and, and it's not. Uh, we're not, you know, we never wanted to be snobby or, or highbrow right. or, or any, you know, like, or, or make people feel like, you know, we price all our beers at the same price point. We price, um, you know, there's not a, it's not a, I mean, you know, it's obviously more expensive than your, your average bar, but it's certainly not, we're not pricing out anybody or anything like that. So it's just meant to be a, a very welcoming and uh, sort of down to earth approach to craft beer and, and spirits. So, so you, you mentioned, uh, people judging when they come in, you know, just on the whole experience. How big has uh, Yelp factored into that? I mean, it's not just Yelp, right? It's Facebook, it's right. Yelp, it's Google, it's, it's anywhere anybody can put anything. Um, I'm not personally super good at it. My business partner, Laura, tends to um, 
engage people a little bit more when they've had negative experiences. Um, but yeah, you got to you got to be aware that like you know there's this there's this sort of uh, outside you know realm that's outside your control for where people are talking about it and reviewing it. But you know, um, the same can be said for beer reviews, right? You know, like Untapped exists, and everybody, you know, all beer drinkers, not all beer drinkers, but most beer drinkers look at it, and uh, you can't uh, you can't control what people are going to say. You know what right. I mean? All you can do is control your side of it, and then it's, I mean, the difference, I suppose, is that, well, it's the same with beer, right? Somebody has a really negative experience, and it's, it's rooted in a misunderstanding, or it's rooted in, in um, you know, we get reviews of, of the of the place where bartender where the people like that was the rudest bartender, and then we talk to the bartender, and they're like, "Well, they those people brought bottles of somebody else's brewery's beer in here and sat in our brewery and opened them, and even that's not the end of the world, right? Because right. we let people do that to some degree, like that. I'm not trying to publicize that, but right. like, you know, if it's a slow night and, and and some regulars come in and somebody brings a bottle of something they want to share, but they always are going to touch base with the bartender first, right? right? They're not going to sit over here in the corner and like crack a whole bunch of beers from a different brewery. And then when the bartender says, hey, you didn't order any beer, or like, you know, then be like, oh, well, he's so rude. I mean, it, you know, we've had, we've had a lot of number, we've had a bunch of instances where, not a bunch, we've had a small number of instances where people had negative experiences. And sometimes you can address it and sometimes you can't. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think that being able to, I mean, what Laura, is, you know, she, she places a whole bunch of value in just responding at least. So, right. so that... that it, even if those people, like community. yeah. So that even if those people don't recognize the care that she's putting into responding, at least other people in the community are going to see. Well, the owner responded and addressed the issue. You know what I mean? We had one time where somebody slipped and fell. You know what I mean? So it had it was at the beginning of winter, and we didn't realize, you know, that how wet it was, and so we got doormats and we put, you know, grip tape on the step and stuff like that. So it's like certain things you can you can address. Right. You know, certain things you can't address. You know. So you talk about people bringing other people's beer, and um, as far as competition goes, is it more like, I feel like it seems there's a lot of brotherhood when it comes to breweries. Yeah. It's not even like a competition thing. It's almost like, hey, let's collab on something. It's yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we have the best beer in New York City, but not that's right. <laughs> no, um, no, it's very much a, a, the New York City beer scene is, is, uh, is a great community. Um, I'm, you know, and there's a number of different reasons why that is, both in on the sort of brewery production side and also just on the business side, is that it, it makes more sense to be friends with the right. other guys than it does to be enemies. Um, but most, a lot of the brewers, there's like a lineage you can follow amongst two or three different breweries. It's starting to be a little bit more now that the years go by, but like a lot of people can trace their their internships or their apprenticeships or whatever you want to call it back to, you know, either Brooklyn Brewery or, or Greenpoint Beer Works or Six Point or um, other half. And, and, and so a lot of the people who opened breweries in the last three or four years all worked together at different breweries at one point or another. Um, so that part of it sort of, you know, helps build the community. Um, you know, like we just opened up or we opened up and then Grimm opened up two blocks away right. from here like less than a year ago. We embrace them as neighbors, you know what I mean? For A, because they're great, they make great beer. Um, they're right there. People who they've got, they've been around as a brewery five years longer than us. So people come to town and we'll go there. And then, oh, Underboro's right there. I've never been there. I've been meaning to go there. They'll come right here or, you know, vice versa. So it's great in the sense of uh, 
you know, rising tides raises all ships. Right. Um, KCBC's around the corner. They're just they're in the same boat we are as having it opened and started their brand. Um, and we love them. Um, it's also great to have neighbors who do who operate within the same business as us. Because if you're short some yeast or some grain or some hops, you can always call somebody and say, "Hey, I need this," and, and they do awesome. the, and they do the same. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, the, in terms of um, Competition. I mean, there's always some friendly competition. You know what I mean? Like, there's always. Um, but I would like to think that. I mean, we certainly don't badmouth people, and like, I, I don't like. You know, I'd like to think that other people have a respect for us and what we do. And, and you know, it's mutual. You know, I think it. It works out, and it and it, it. It's also like reflects well on our whole scene as a whole. That like we work together and we do collaborations, and because then people come, other brewers or or, or guests, and they and they really feel like they're part of something. You know what I mean? Right. Like that they, they, they're visiting New York, and that the New York brewers are sort of a, a thing, and, and that we get along with each other and stuff. So, then part that part's really fun. Nice. So like, uh, as far as mental breaks go. Is it, is it important to kind of like step away every once in a while or is it kind of like it's a constant? I don't know. I mean, I've got, I, I've got two kids and a wife and like I do my best to um, take like take a weekend where I'm actually not going to be here right. or not think about work. Um, I mean, there's definitely times where it's all encompassing. Um, but yeah, I think that anybody needs to be able to take a step back from their passion and just do something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And, uh, yeah, what would you, what would be the best piece of advice you'd give to somebody about to start up or try to open their own place or if they're having thoughts of opening their own place? Um, I don't know, so much. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I guess I would say that, you know, just making sure that you, you know, you're you're really serious about wanting to commit that much of your life to something, um, and then if you're planning on making making uh, making beer, then make sure it's that you're make you're making the best beer you possibly can. Because I mean that's you know that, that sort of a, another element to the whole New York City Brewers thing is that like you know you you have a high level of confidence that everybody's making quality product, and and right. and, and for a lot of consumers if they have a They've got. They have one bad craft beer, then they're gonna. If it's their, especially if it's their first, right. then they just. Oh, I don't want that stuff. You know, I don't want that right. craft beer. You know what I mean? I don't like it. So like, have, making sure that all the beer that, that any person, any any brewer is making in New York City is like high quality. That's I think uh, really important. Do you ever take a? Do you ever have to take a loss uh, with certain brews if they ever came out? Yeah, yeah. Bit? We're constantly analyzing it and and uh, and. Uh, checking our beer for quality and if there's something that comes out that's not good we dump it. Yeah. And, and you know it's, it's way it's way cheaper to dump it before you put it out into the into the uh, market than it is to try and deal with the fact that you put a bad product into the market right. it can never come back it's hard to come back from that right so yeah we do that a lot not, not a, too much I hope but right. we do do it if we have to and is there a uh, story you can tell us or a funny story. I'm trying to think of so many funny if, stories. If not, no worries, man. Um, I don't know. The, the best I can think of is that like, we got our system. I mean, it's not even funny. It's tragic. But, uh, <laughs> oh, all right. Tragic. Um, uh, 
we we got our we got our system. We were on like the second brew or the third brew, and the mash kept sticking. We didn't couldn't figure out why the mash. I couldn't figure out because it was all on me. Couldn't figure out why the mash kept sticking. Um, like the second time we were gonna brew, we had like a whole bunch of the investors coming to have a party that night, and like the mash wasn't draining. And uh, a trick I'd seen people do <coughs> to like relieve the vacuum, because like the, the fear is that you've got a stuck mash that maybe you got a vacuum on because it's stuck. And then if you just relieve the vacuum by like getting a plow in there and scraping like one hole in the in the mash grate. Um, so I so Nick, who's our, our system brewer was um, and now he like runs our cannon line um, I was like help me I'm gonna like open the manway just a yeah. little bit just enough to get yeah. the rake in and, and scrape a little bit and he's like you sure and I was like yeah we're gonna do this so we open the we try to open the manway and this mash just comes pouring out pouring out like and we're like trying to like get it closed and it's like 160 degrees and it's like burning our arms and shit and finally we get it closed and then we turn around and it's like this deep, like all over the fucking brewery. And we're like, we got these dudes, like an hour till like this, our investor crew is coming. And so we're like shoveling it up, sweeping it. And Laura's, help, Laura's like, what the fuck happened? And I'm like, well, I'll explain <laughs> later, you know, like, and we get it all cleaned up. And uh, they show up and we're still like mopping and sweeping and shit. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, that was just sucked, but it was funny. Uh, and then it turns out like, six or seven mashes later keeps sticking and finally one day I realized that like I had the rakes go in the wrong direction I had like everybody here every brewer I fucking knew I was like I can't figure it out I keep sticking the mash I keep sticking the mash finally one day I just turned the rakes the other direction and presto never happened again you know and it was a brand new system I just didn't realize it so that's my story all right all right. Well, that's, uh, thank you for sitting with us. Yeah, man. cool. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Jesse Ferguson at Edinburgh, Spirits and Nails in Brooklyn. Mike Curtin for True Brewers, too. Cheers. Hey, guys. So that was the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found it as informative as I did. There's many more to come after this, so please stay tuned. On the next episode, I'll be sitting down with Kyle Hurst from Big Al's Brewing Company in Long Island City, New York. Every other Sunday, I'll be posting them up, so stay tuned, and like I said, subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Once again, I'm Mike Curtin for Chew Brewer Stew. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day.